You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host. It's the Bedroom Beethoven Podcast. Whoa, you just blew my mind because nobody talks about that shit. <laughs> Thank you for this. Like, I was looking forward to this chat, man. I love your interviews. I thank you for what you're doing. Like, it's excellent. And um, people can continue to learn the stories of, the, of these uh, bedroom Beethoven's. Um, how did you find out about this? Are you? Oh, my God. Having something like this to shed light on, on, on us is amazing. Like, we really need this documentation. So people like you are definitely needed. <laughs> Greetings, ladies and germs. Oh snap, everybody. Episode five zero. My guest this week is Peace World. My name is Peace Soda Earth Song King. I've been doing music for about 10 years now and uh, performed with a lot of different artists, uh, such as uh, Homeboy Sandman, Fresh Daily, Tanya Morgan, Open Mike Eagle, just to, just to name a few. I'm a MC and producer and uh, culture. You had an idea to defeat me, though, with the beastly troll for Grim Reaper souls. Try to swim upstream in the leaky boat. Now I'm fresh like Easter clothes. Kill them all, we defeat the foes. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix playing through my headphone. Looking in the mirror like I'm dead wrong. When the battle's over and I'm dead gone, he fought the good fight written on my headstone. Join me for an in-depth look into the creative mind of Piso. Musically, he's rooted in the essentials of early 90s boom bap hip-hop while courageously experimenting with other genres like jazz, soul, and indie rock. On this episode, we find a bit more about his early life all the way through the late night nights he spent rhyming in crowded clubs in lower Manhattan and Brooklyn. We talk about nerdy culture, and then later we progress and more memories flash through his mind like a dusty projector in a smoke-filled room. Piso the Earth Tone King borrows his name from the famous painter Picasso with the intention of creating pieces of art with every new song. And as I cross the 50th episode line, I just want to thank everyone for your support. For example, Gary Fox in Ireland says, I love this podcast. It's insightful and varied. It's my pot of choice for my commute. Keep them coming. I will, Gary. Indeed, I will. And Smith Spinach writes that the podcast is thorough and informative, such a great pod, extremely well executed, and really insightful. A must listen for any artist. Patreon.com slash Bedroom Beethoven's, where you can give me your dollar. Skip that McDouble at lunch and give me your money instead. You know I deserve it. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate everyone. And with that said, I think it's time to jump into the podcast pool with my guest, Piso. A new time, a new year. Are you feeling good? Man, I'm feeling really good, actually. You know, I, I don't really believe in New Year resolutions like that, so I'm excited. Yeah, I don't really believe in resolutions either, but I'm I'm very optimistic this year. The, my last few years have been kind of rocky, but I'm feeling good about this year. 
And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, man, so, you know, something there's something spiritual or, or mathematic about you know the decade about about the number thing going back to zero. You know that 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 fourth digit in the in the, in the number of the years going back to zero. It does feel like you're resetting. You know, it does kind of feel like you can leave things that happened in the previous decade behind more so than you do when you just cross over into another year. Yeah. And I think I'm making the mistake where every year uh, my happiness is tied to, or maybe equated to how much money I make. And man, I don't know. I saw this movie called Parasite. Have you seen that movie? Oh yeah. That's one of the, my favorite of the year. Yeah, man. And classism exactly it put at ease this duality of wanting more money having more money the ups and downs of it all and uh it blew me away and i thought i thought like yeah this this is exactly the type of movie i needed to see to like (laughs) reset and and put things into perspective yeah man we gotta uh recalibrate recalibrate our morals man you know a lot of people are suffering a lot of people are dealing with a lot of uh despair and um i think it has a lot to do with our morals being you know miscalibrated and, you know, money is just one of those things. And let me tell you, I, I was a part of that movie pass fiasco. So don't get me started, like, on how much good films I tried to see. And, you know, I just, I went and saw everything paying, what, eight bucks a month. Man. That was a shit show, so. Listen, that that, that was a, that was a really strange um, company, that that idea, how that happened and how it went down. That was, that was crazy. Yeah, I had a movie pass for a second. I did, too. <laughs> it's just like if I was an investor, I'd be like, "How are you guys making money?" Like clearly, you guys are taking a loss. But uh, you know, I I saw, I think I saw like ninety films that year. I had Movie Pass, and wow. maybe maybe four were good. So it was wow. now I barely go to the movie theater because I'm just so burnt out. What happened to the music industry? Kind of finally happened is happening to the film industry, where people are not watching, you know, going to the movies. But it's it's strange because like it's easier to watch things at home, but also the quality of movie theaters is declining as well. It's a funny observation. Like everyone I've had on this podcast, you were the only one to ask, "How did you find out about me?" And I found that a bit odd because you've been around for so long. I guess you thought, or maybe I thought that you would assume I knew you because you've been around for ten years. But I figure you ask it because you get a variety of answers to that question. Oh yeah, I you know. I, I'm sure I'm still unsure as to what pocket I fit in. <laughs> it's the internet. The internet is a very strange place because you really just don't know who's watching. And, um, you know, I'm always surprised as to who actually knows what I've been doing and how I've been moving and the, and the things that I've put out during me. And, you know, I think it's always cool. There's always a story of how you discover an artist. You know, so why can't there be a story of how an artist discovers, like, you know. I mean, you've released, I mean, double digits at this point. You've worked with some of the best. You're in New York. You're in the right area. I'm just, I'm really surprised you're not a bigger deal than you are. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I get that a lot. You know, I would only say that that's, I take, uh, that's, that's me. You know, that's, that's, uh, the hustle is really hard. In my own personal life as well, had some uh, difficulties there. Uh, So, you know, there has been some. I guess hiatus pauses, you know, for, I didn't release a project for about three years, which in in today's landscape is like death. <laughs> so well, how do we make sure that like personal stuff like that doesn't get in the way? Like, cause it's like, yeah, all right, if I'm going to rev my engines up again, I got to be more consistent this time. Well, yeah. You, you, you know what? Well, it's, it's weird because not, not every, there's a lot of artists who are successful who don't release music that often. And it's 
it's, it's more about, I guess, the how you release the music, I guess, the longevity of said music, and just your connection to your fans. Are your fans willing to, you know, wait around for you to, you know, get your stuff together before you release new stuff? For me, I needed, I needed new experiences. Like, I ran out of, uh, you know, experiences and perspectives, and I, I kind of grew, grew a little bit, you know, fatigued with my own perspective and i was like i need i need something a new perspective and, and in order to gain that perspective i needed time i need to live more i needed to have more experiences and um that allowed me to become creative again what did you do did you go back to buffalo you know i always i go back to buffalo all the time you know i you know i got married that was one huge thing i changed in my life i started working on uh, a lot of writing projects I, I always, you know, music was always my, my first love, but I always was a writer as well. And, uh, you know, my dream was always to release music projects and, you know, graphic novel projects, screenplay type stuff, films together. Like, you know, I think everyone has their own, um, you know, pace. Like, uh, look at Jay Electronica. I mean... <laughs> He's still considered to be, you know, one of the best, and a lot of people listen to him all the time. And he hasn't even really dropped an album ever. Like, you know, everybody has their own release method. When I was sleeping on the train, sleeping on Mezzero Lab out in the rain, without even a single slice of pizza to my name, too proud to beg for change, mastering the pain. Whereas like Griselda, for instance, they drop a project every month, you know, and, you know, arguably the, the entities are just as popular. Like, I think that uh, we live in this, we live in this world where we're being programmed so much by algorithm, algorithms and daily content, sometimes less is more. Yeah, I think my thing is like, if I'm an artist and I'm passionate about this, why wouldn't I want to make a song every day? Like, if I'm Andre 3000, why am I retreating and becoming a cobbler or staying in a missionary or something? Like, why why am I in the studio every day? It's what... <laughs> Shoot. Why, why, is he, why is he not playing a flute in the, in the airport, right? Why, why is he doing that? Basio, I'm very, I'm very happy you brought up the Andre 3000. If you're known as like one of the greatest. A lot of people have him, if not in their top 10, in their top five, in their top three. Most people think he's one of the greatest art rappers of all time. That's an, an immense amount of pressure if you're going to release any more music. Because if there's any chance that people don't think it's as great, you're going to feel vulnerable. You're going to feel like you're tarnishing your own legacy. You know, so there's that. That's one of the issues. The other issue is that he's not really inspired because if he's got like this Einstein like music brain where he's always been ahead of the curve, if he feels like hip hop has kind of slowed down from a creative standpoint, then he no longer is inspired. Yeah, I guess it's like Eminem always chasing his first album because that's what it always gets compared to. Eminem's a little different because I feel like musically, um, he's more about you know his 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 personality uh, and and existing with writing the wave of his own personality. Where Andre is really about the music, but Three stacks, man. Like I could totally relate to that world or that being in that bubble inside your mind. Maybe he is in the studio recording a song every day. He's just not releasing it. See that that's 
you know, that th- it might be just a therapeutic, you know, s- situation for him. I mean, I have a lot of songs, man, that have never, never come out. You know, j- just because those three years that I didn't release music doesn't mean I wasn't recording. That's true. You know, it's it's it just it just I I just don't feel like releasing these songs to the world. Like they just don't. Some sometimes it was a quality standpoint where I was like, I don't think they're good enough. Other times it was just the perspective and the and the energy of of what the music represented. It just wasn't. It just didn't feel right. You know, and I I don't know if 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 you're not an artist, I don't know if you can really understand that. You know. It's, it's it's really strange, but yeah, I have a lot of music that you're writing though. So it's like you know when you do come out with an album, you're you're because your story writing. I mean, your your rhymes are going to be stronger. And then you find like minded people like Anwar Morse. That's important because now you have people who were in the graphic novels. Like in my hood, the Killing Joke was acceptable. You were able to buy that. Anything other than that, you're getting beat up. <laughs> Times have changed, you know, and so you've you've linked with a guy that goes to Savannah College of Art and Design. He gets a degree. You and him link up. You do art, music, and then you create something unique. Yeah, man. Um, well, yeah. Shout out Anwar. Uh, th- thank you very much for shouting out Anwar Morris. He's a, an exceptional artist, and um, he's also an exceptional writer. And yeah, we had the 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 lucky chance of working on uh, the Gateway to Greatness graphic novel for Comicsology. That was, uh, you know, my first real for, foray into into writing. That's when I first said, you know, what, let me let me really try to do something. I've been reading comics. Basically, comics and hip-hop have been my life. So when I decided to do that graphic novel with him, it was just more of an extension of what I'd always, once again, envisioned myself as being a writer and a musician. My, I think my first foray into that was Ghostface Killer's 36 Seasons. I got the vinyl, and it came with a 24-page comic. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That was that was dope. Um, I think my first uh, was, was the ATLians CD back in, like, 96 or something like that. That had the, the comic. I didn't know that. So there was the a little comic in the little CD booklet. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And it was. It was. It was actually a really good. That one. was Todd McFarlane, though, and, wasn't it? Um, uh, I don't. I don't know if it was Todd McFarlane. Uh, I have to look that up. I, I want to say. I want to say it was because he was doing the corn stuff too, the follow the leader, and for some reason, Todd McFarlane and musician art just went hand in hand in like the nineties. Man. That that really was one of the f- first times I saw a lot of the comic book and hip hop ideas merge, it, and that was so cool to me at the time because back then, just like you said, you know, you could only read the Killing Joke without without getting laughed at. That you know, the '90s. If you were reading comics, you were kind of, you were like a nerd, but not like a nerd, a cool nerd, you were like a dweeb. Yeah, and 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 for Outkast to be this like you know really popular hip hop where I was like, Oh, that's, that's me. That's my lane. Doing those graphic novels. It works because you don't need a writer, you know, guys like Ghostface, AZ, Slick Rick, Feral Monch, Cool G Rap. They're master storytellers and they know it needs to be done on a track better than a writer ever will. So all you need is a dope illustrator and I'll give you credit. Like before 36 seasons came out, the gateway to greatness that kind of did it first, you know, on, on a grand scale. Rap was like MF Grimm, he has a great graphic novel. Um, Will I Am has done some stuff. Uh, Murs, he has a great graphic novel as well. It's it's a whole it's a whole subgenre, honestly. My guy uh, Patrick Reed, he's a, a curator uh, at uh, Comic Con. He he, he uh, works at New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, and conventions all over the world. He does a hip hop comics panel, and he's essentially a historian of uh, where hip hop and comic books intersect. 
And he's old, he has, you know, lots of examples over the years of really dope hip hop artists using comic book art and also comic books using hip hop, you know, characters and hip hop poses and hip hop references in, in the comic book pages. So it's, it's you know, they're, they're two creative expressions that have always been hand in hand, basically, since the beginning. Yeah. If, if you're creating a persona like the Earth Tone King, there are two sides. There is this expressive version of yourself and then there's the real you the hip-hop version of yourself in order to not fall into that trap you know because you know drake and Pusha T are kind of going through this thing where they they can't trust each other's rhymes you know if you say a line how true is it because validity in hip-hop's a thing but is that why picasso kind of turned into the earth tone king the same way flying lotus became captain murphy or cool keith became dr octagon because it it kind of becomes less serious and then you can just enjoy the art um I, I, I like that you referenced those other artists. I would also, you know, put in like MF Doom becoming from Victor Vaughn to all the different personas that he has embodied over the years. I think, you know, what it is for me is as going with the whole storytelling narrative, the Earthworm King was always like a like kind of like a fantasy character to me, embodying that persona musically, you know, be, being able to transcend uh, I think it's part of the reason that, you know, a lot of artists come up with these monikers because they're able to create characters of themselves. But it's it's weird because it's it's not like we're not still not being authentic to who we are. But at the same time, we're kind of making ourselves larger than life, you know, and I, I think that makes it just makes it fun and it just opens up the creativity. Well, so, I mean, music didn't hit until like your mid 20s. So what were you kind of doing then? Like, did you go to college? What did you want to do? What ended up happening? I, uh, you know, minored in, in, in creative writing. I just, I, that's when I first started working on music and, um, yeah, you know what it is? I just never really took it seriously. I think, I think it was because mainly I had, a, uh, you know, my, my pops was, 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 was Ghanaian and, and he was very, you know, focused on education and, you know, any, 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 uh, first generation parents from Africa, you know, like that they, they definitely, you know, focus and, and make sure you, you, you get your education you know, you don't play any games. Um, so that's that's kind of like how I grew up. So I, I had to make sure that I finished my education before I before I you know took a voyage into music. And another thing, just like you know, going back to the three stacks uh, conversation, it was a lot. A lot of it was confidence, just not really thinking that I could do it, not really having the tools or the vision. Like man, these kids nowadays, the world is so open for them to just like create and, 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 and make music. It's like, I, I didn't, I was kind of like a little bit too young to, to have that, uh, those opportunities that they have now. Has your dad come around a little bit on, on kind of what you're doing full time now? For the most part, it's, it's, it's weird because like, uh, the, the older you get, the more, the, le- the more space that, you know, your parents give you, you know, that that's, that's kind of how it goes. It, it becomes a thing where they, they they respect you no matter what, just because you've been able to, you know, keep your head above water and, and, and do your thing. Well, so how do you how do you move past that? And then you get the courage to start seeing yourself as a guy who can go on stage and is good enough for people to buy tickets to hear you. <laughs> good question, man. Um, it, you know, the, the it, it just the confidence comes from putting things into the world. Like one, one of the, the most difficult things a lot of creatives have is completing things. Once I started releasing things into the world and then I got good feedback and made me, gave me, that's where the confidence came from. I see why so many people have a lot of issues with how the internet 
works now with, you know, you know, comments and likes and thumbs up and thumbs down and stuff like that. You know, when you, you can literally math, you know, mathematically quantify how much people like you now that that is a very, uh, it's a very challenging. Uh, so for myself, uh, when I started releasing music and people liking it, that's where the confidence came from. So if you were to put out an album, all you lyrics and production, would you have the mental toughness now as a seasoned artist to put that out? Would you be able to do that? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's that's the plan. I'm planning to release three projects, uh, and that would be the third one. And um, I'm, I'm, I, I like where it's going. I like I like what I'm building on. I definitely want to do it. But I, I like I like the way you pose that question because it does very it does require a great deal of mental toughness and resolve. You know, it's, it's, it's not just the focus, but it's also just the courage. It's also the, the, the skill it's the, you know, it's, it's everything like the stakes are much higher. Yeah. I always, I feel like we're, we don't get, uh, projects like that because people can't handle feedback because if you say a song's whack and you produced it and you rhymed on it and you have no features, you're going to take the bulk of that criticism. And maybe that's why, I don't know, like DJ Khaled has nine people on the track because you if you say he sucks, it'll be like, well, maybe Migos verse sucked, but the beat was hard. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 a good that's a good way of looking at it. I, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that's a good observation. Well, let me ask you something else. You released a tape on Hypnot Records, and Kevin Nottingham came out as a MAGA supporter. Oh man, are we going here? Are we going here? <laughs> I gotta I gotta ask, man. I gotta ask. Okay, okay. It seems like people are so quick to say, hey, you know, his voice does not represent the label. We don't share that view. Like it needed to be a PR issue swept under the rug. Like if if Quincy Jones came out in support of Donald Trump, would it diminish his accomplishments? Or take Jimmy Iovine or Clive Davis or any white A&R? Since when did we care about political affiliations in relations to music? You know, what, what's your what's your take on that? I, I, th- I don't think you can divorce music from from politics because so much of hip hop has has had a political voice. I mean, it may, it may be not even a political voice, but we've definitely had a position and a narrative from a socio uh, socioeconomic viewpoint. And the, it, therefore, that becomes political right now in today's society especially with everything that's going on, people are very polarized and they're very charged up one way or another. Uh, when you have the leader of a, of a hip hop label uh, declaring a political standpoint that the vast majority of probably the artists and the fans of that label would, dis- would you know, vehemently uh, go against, it's questionable. I guess it, what I'm saying is it recontextualizes how you view that person and, you know, how they represented the music, you know, um, so I'm not I'm not upset at people for being mad at him, even though he just was revealing a, a political belief. I, I, I believe there is some you know responsibility on his part to understand that. Okay, yeah, you are allowed to have whatever political belief you, you want to, but you also unfortunately are like a pillar of a of a specific community in regards to your relationship with that community. You know, you've benefited from that community. You've worked closely with that community. And um, therefore, just declaring a political belief that that community could feel threatened by, you should expect a, a response. 
You know, I'm not saying that we should like tar and feather him or something like that. Nothing, you know, extreme like that. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm peaceful. I don't, I don't believe any of that. But what I'm saying is that the internet responded in kind, just like he felt the need to state his beliefs. The internet felt the need to respond. They, they treated it like a black and white thing, but I was wondering, like, do hip hop labels need to be politically aligned as well as socially aligned with black culture to successfully support and represent their artists because it's it's tricky because find a racist who admits to being a racist right let's be honest the people who have controlled traditionally controlled the music labels um have probably not had the political uh you know consciousness of the artists that they represent going back to you know the beginning of music industry right Um, you know so it's no matter how if you go far enough up the totem pole there's going to be someone who's most likely politically against your beliefs. Essentially, that's how it works in almost all industries. And, you know, if you subscribe to Disney, if you subscribe to Netflix or whatever, somebody in that, you know, hierarchy is probably somebody you don't agree with politically. So you get to a point where you're kind of splitting hairs. So I, I see what kind of question you're saying is like, is, is it really necessary for all these labels to be politically aligned, but I just think that right now it's just so volatile. You just want to make sure that the people who control the, the music and control everything have your best interests. And if you make a political statement that seems to other people that it's not in their best interest, it's going to make them second guess. I like that answer. Yeah, I I was wondering if uh, you know being a black man in America with a platform to speak and you put out a a record on that label, if you even felt like you even had a responsibility to talk about that. But I, I like your POV on that. A lot of us had already seen that happening before. Like I was, I was still surprised at the, at, you know, the statement that he made, but we had been, we had been noticing a shift like right or right before he, he left the label here. He, he, you know, basically closed down the label. We saw some things that were interesting and then as soon as that happened, there, a bunch of things happened. I don't want to really share it, but there's a bunch of things that are like, oh, wow, okay, this, this guy is, is changing. And, and, and that's that's what's kind of weird about it is because it wasn't just like, oh, this is just how I, believe, I feel politically. It was like there was like a whole change in, in who he was, I would say, from, you know, the posts that we saw online. And, you know, the way he was moving, it, it just seemed like he was becoming a different person. And um, that's what makes the whole thing strange to, to me, because it's just like, why? Like, I don't know really what happened that would make you, you know, just say, you know what? Not only am I done. It's, it seemed, OK, what I'm saying is it seemed like it was bigger than just the music to him, you know, and, 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 that, and that's what makes it made, made it strange to us, you know, as, as artists who work with him. But uh, let me just say shout out the other guys and shout out, you know, Von P., and Don Will, because, you know, they they had been releasing music on Hypnot. They uh, essentially had acquired it and had been releasing music after uh, Kevin Nottingham had closed the label. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that they, they're able to continue to do that. You know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, had, I haven't checked up on them if, if, you know, what the final word on what they're going to do. But I hope that they're able to continue to release music with with, you know, that label or maybe if they change the name, I don't know what they're going to do, but those guys are really dope and they, they shouldn't have to suffer because of, of what, of this whole scandal. 
yeah, uh, Von P was on the show, and the the other guys reached out and said it was a good interview, and I think they're just going to keep on chugging along. So, okay, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, man, those 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 are, those are my guys, man, for real. Here's the kicker, though. It was like it's that scene in the Matrix when the Oracle was like, "Hey, you probably wouldn't have knocked over that vase if I wouldn't have said anything." I didn't even know Kevin Nottingham was the ex runner of Hypnot Records, and if they wouldn't even have talked about it, I wouldn't even have made that connection. Oh, really? Oh, you didn't? So you weren't aware of that? Oh, okay. Okay. I, did, I didn't even know, but oh, when they sent out that okay. PR, then I was like, you know what? You oh. brought you brought that connection to the masses. I wouldn't even have connected the it's, dots it's spelled, on that. Because yeah, he's like spelled too. It's spelled after um like his name. What? Hypnot? Yeah. How so? Oh, not um, Nottingham. It, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a vague connection. I, yeah, I still wouldn't have got that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. Well, let's let's switch gears. Let's get off that and talk about American anime because Doctor Strange had lost his title as Sorcerer Supreme, and ultimately, it turned out that Brother Voodoo took on the title to become, in effect, Doctor Voodoo, Sorcerer Supreme. That's you, but that that's a that's a hard yeah. sell in the comic world, though. Is this is this tied to the Age of Apocalypse? Oh wow. Okay, you just you just uh, dropped a lot right there, and uh, I, I like how you did you did your research. First of all, yeah, I definitely did model my image after Brother Voodoo. I'm surprised you even caught up on that because I didn't realize that people saw that. But yeah, uh, he is a Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, Shout out Doctor Strange, but, you know, somebody else has to hold the mantle for now. That was fun, man. It was was, was fun putting that project together. Um, That project was also one that I was like, man, are people really going to like this? Like... I know there's a huge nerdcore following, but I didn't really, you know, know if it was going to connect to people. So I, I was I was happy that people liked it a lot, and um, it ended up it ended up doing really well, actually. This is the flavor you lack when you writing like Barry Allen. I'm faster than lightning. Trash as you write, you get smacked with the mic, and I'm breaking down walls like attacking on Titan. Yeah. Look at the screen, I'm a monster. They about to crown me the king of Wakanda. Street Fighter 2, I'm nasty with Blanca. Without a Chico, I completed Contra. I- what it smell like? Mmm, Harlem Paradise. Sugar Hill, Sugar Hill, Repetate. Miss Marvel, better say my name. Double country, no split screen. Legend of Zelda, Mad Green. Hotel, it ain't Mad Green. El Dr. Earth Tone King, like, ah. Shout out to you for uh, <laughs> for bringing up Age of Apocalypse too. Damn, man. That, that... You know what's crazy about Age of Apocalypse? That storyline is is really good, but that's like right around the time I stopped reading comics for about like. Uh, me too. I would say me. That that's pretty accurate. And the only thing I remember is in Age of Apocalypse, everyone died. Everyone was betraying each other. It just you you couldn't make a movie about that nowadays. Like the like I can't believe they did the Phoenix Saga because that's garbage. But this it would just be it would be a hard R because it was just oh god uh, everyone died. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, the Age of Apocalypse, I remember Wolverine had one hand. I was like, why does he have one hand? And that's cool. Yeah. And then I remember Cyclops had long hair. Yep. I was like, okay, that was weird. But I also thought it was um, pretty interesting how they how they really took that storyline seriously. You know, it was actually pretty well, well written. Uh, I would like to see them do a movie about that eventually. Well, it's like in, in Age of Apocalypse, Jean Grey and Cyclops' son from the future went back and killed him. So, in order to like explain that, well, then you have to make a movie where Cyclops and Jean Grey fall in love, and all this and that and this. X Men's not good at world building yet. We're not there yet. Well, I don't know. Have you read the recent uh, Hickman X Men stories? 
that's been going on. I you know I haven't. I, I man, I fell off like just like you, like right around that came out. That's when my interest kind of uh, wavered. Yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this. Uh, recently, uh, they just started doing this new storyline in the X Men comics by this writer named Jonathan Hickman, and you could look it up. It's literally the best, most interesting stuff they've been doing with X Men in decades. It's like incredible. Well, I think there's there's two things as an a lazy as a lazy adult is I can't keep up with comics. I, if I was, I would go with the omnibus route where they just they put it all into a big book for me. And number two, I've I, over the years I've really gotten to sideshow uh, collectibles uh, where they have those really expensive statues because then I can you know if my wife looks at me funny I'd be like no it's art it's not. <laughs> Yeah, and then they're like, the toys. I'm like, no, it's not toys because it costs X amount of dollars. And once you go above X amount of dollars, it becomes art. So you can stop looking at it. <laughs> oh, so you get the crazy busts and like the and the hot toys and stuff like that? I got – so, you know, I'm going to expose a little bit of my nerdiness. Uh, there is a statue <laughs> company called XM Studios, and they built a one-third uh, scale Captain America, and it cost – a mortgage payment. Let me just say that, but it's dope. But it's dope, and it's not. It's not going. Which, which version of Cap? Cap comic, is it? Comic, not movie. I don't like. I, I don't okay. want movie because it's it's basically looking at Chris Evans all day. So I got the comic. <laughs> nice. So that's where I'm at in life. <laughs> okay, that's that's what's up, man. Listen, I love I love the figures. I love the toys. I definitely I definitely like that world, man. I just wish I could afford them. They're really expensive, though, man. <laughs> there's this t'chaka uh black panther hot toy figure that i saw that was just like amazing like they had the um the kente cloth pattern like wrap around the black panther armor it was just perfect and like completely like opposable like you know limbs and shit like i was like man i would buy that but no, yeah, yeah. Well, we're that's we're married work. and we have gatekeepers now, so that's just that's just the way it is. Oh uh, man, listen, man. <laughs> you know, my, my wife is actually cool about stuff like that for the most part. Yeah, you know, you already know, you always know that you know there's a limit. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. it's like once you let your inner eight year old come out, she'll just be like, "Are you serious?" Like, really? <laughs> I get you, man. Well, the new album, American Anime, and you know what? While I'm at it, uh, deep. Of two hungry brothers, one half of the guys who do the production, they dropped a new beat tape to round out the trilogy of beat tapes called Threeology. So go cop that. Uh, Piso, shout out to shout out to them, man, and shout out American Anime. I think the cassette sold out. I believe, yeah, but there man, might be. We, a- um, we so we sold out um, completely pretty quickly of that, and you know it was a limited print run. Uh, I'm going to press some more of those, but you know we're we're going to do some interesting. Uh, cassette packages and um, you know some merch packages later on this year, but um, just just keep checking EarthTongueKing.com. I don't even know if I'm should be plugging right now. But uh, plans for 2020, man. What you got? I have three projects that I'm planning to release. The first one is with the Two Hungry Bros. It's called Paleo. That should be out probably springtime. And then um, I have another pro- project with the producer M. Slago. Uh, he's actually work with a lot of different artists uh he has a project with homeboy sandman actually as well uh amazing producer we've been working on some stuff and it's i, I like the stuff i'm doing with slago because it's it's just it's just different but it also feels like i'm back home so you know what i was doing when i first came into the game 
And then it'll be the Piso project after that, which is just going to be produced by me, or I'll probably be working with some other producers as well. Everything will be on earthsongking.com. We're going to have a big website revamp. So uh, it'll all be up there, all the information you need. And yeah, man, yo, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this. This this is a great opportunity, man, just to, you know, rap with you, man. Yeah, man, I've been a fan of yours for a long, long, long time. I'm not a cassette guy. I'm more of a vinyl guy. So if you kind of cater to that, okay. uh, you got yourself a, you got yourself 25, 30 bucks. I'll throw your way. I'll pick up some of that <laughs> stuff. And I'm very excited about the Piso project because uh, I'm interested to see where your production is nowadays. So uh, I'm going to keep tabs on you. I encourage everybody who's listening to keep tabs on him. If you haven't heard of him, trust me, I've, I've heard of this guy. I've been listening to his music for about seven, eight years now. And uh, I cherry picked him to be on the show. He's the truth. So thanks for being here, man. Much love, much love. Thank you so much, man. Thank you to everyone who's listening. And, um, you know, just uh, stay positive, y'all. 2020, man, it's a new year, new decade. Oh, and this is episode 50, milestone episode. Oh, word. Okay, and this, <laughs> it's this anniversary. I just pop some champagne. Uh, yeah, happy anniversary, 50th. 